I am now joined by Stephen McClurg, Chief Investment Officer at Valkyrie, who currently offers two ETFs, about $75 million in assets. That includes a Bitcoin and Ethereum futures ETF, along with a Bitcoin miners ETF. But not only that, Valkyrie is, of course, an entrant in the uh, highly publicized spot Bitcoin ETF race. And Stephen is now on the line with me from Nashville. Stephen, welcome back to the uh, podcast. It's been a while. Hey, Nate. It's so good to hear from you. It's, uh, man, I, I feel like I haven't seen you in two years. Is that right? Well, you know what? It's so funny because I was looking back, and you did last join me in, I believe, June of 2021, which I'm sure you'll recall. That's actually right after the SEC delayed a decision on the Valkyrie Bitcoin ETF, which you had filed in January of that year. And, boy, here we are. We're still here. Still no spot Bitcoin ETF. Uh, And so I'm curious, I mean, what has the past two years been like over at Valkyrie as you've been working on this thing? Well, uh, it's it's been a a roller coaster, I'll tell you that. Uh, You know, know, first of all, we filed the Bitcoin spot ETF. And as we were working through it and we, we, we first got rejected, we thought, well, maybe, um, maybe the SEC will approve future. So we, we, uh, we confidentially filed a, uh, a, a futures product. And then sure enough, Gensley went on and said, hey, we will uh, look at Bitcoin futures. So uh, we, we were able to get that launched that October. And uh, so, so that was, that was a great year. The market was going up. We launched that ETF, we launched a couple of other ones, and then, uh, and then of course, the next year we had the, the massive bear run. Uh, so, so that's the uh, that's the other side of the roller coaster that's been uh, fun to navigate. <laughs> All right, so let's um, start by talking about where everything currently stands. So, I believe we've now seen just about all of the prospective spot Bitcoin ETF issuers filing what are called amended S1, so amended registration statements. That's obviously been in response to various SEC requests. I actually saw a uh, report from Reuters last week where they said that discussions between the SEC and ETF issuers had advanced to, quote-unquote, key technical details. And so Reuters was indicating that's probably a good sign that we're getting closer to the finish line. But let's just set the table here. So where does everything currently stand? Do you think we're getting closer to the finish line? And and I'll I'll offer this for listeners. Um, Obviously, there's only so much that you can tell us right now, Stephen, because these are live filings. So you obviously need to stay compliant. I I wanted to offer that up. But what can you tell us? Well, you know, I'll tell you what I can tell you is that, you know, nobody knows when Jesus is returning, right? So, um, uh, same thing with Bitcoin spot. We have, we have no, no, no issuers really know, um, at this point in time. But what we do know is that we are having very detailed conversations with the SEC on, on structure. And, uh, and we're, and we're getting very close, I think. Uh, so whether it's through the exchange, um, filed by CB4s, and having comments around comments and conversations around that, or by the uh, the S ones, or in some cases S threes, um, working through comments, um, you know the SEC really does understand, you know the uh, you know Bitcoin how it works. Uh, I, I know a lot of people are frustrated, but at the same time, you know their job is to make sure that proper disclosures are in place and the capital markets are running efficient, and they're asking all the right questions. Um, so uh, I, I think they're doing their jobs well, and uh, we're, we're at a point where they're 
I think they're very they're working very hard to make sure that we get something. Again, I don't know exactly what you can speak to, but as it pertains to those conversations with the SEC, I've seen a lot of discussion around cash versus in-kind creations and redemptions, and that the SEC prefers cash at this point in time. Uh, is that correct? And I'm curious if you have a preference on this. And it also might be good, Stephen, if you don't mind, to just explain what this all means at a very high level in case some people aren't familiar with the back-end plumbing here. Yeah, sure. So, so really, the conversations around cash and in-kind, um, on, the, on the one hand, when you have an in-kind create, it, does, it is a little bit more efficient uh, in the world of ETFs. Um, you know, you can have both cash or in-kind. And, and, and essentially the way that works is, you know, let, let, let's take the S&P, for instance. Uh, if you're buying a, an S&P tracking ETF, um, you know, uh, APs and market makers can say, well, I'm going to give you cash and you're going to live on the, you know, an ETF, which is a basket of equities, or I have a basket of equities and I'm going to deliver that to you in kind and I want the ETF. Uh, it's a little bit more tax efficient that way. It's a little bit more, um, um, you know, it, it, it's got a little bit less drag on, 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 on price that way as well. So, so that's, that's really what, what in kind is. On the cash side, I think there's something like Bitcoin at the moment. It's just a little bit more simple for the SEC to, uh, to, to understand because, you know, really what's, you know, there's not a lot of, um, there's not a lot of market makers out there that can actually transact in Bitcoin. They can only transact in cash or securities. And broker-dealer rules also restrict uh, a lot of market makers from from uh, trading in, in non-securities, and Bitcoin is in a security. So I think what the SEC is looking at is, well, you know, we want as many market makers out there as possible because that, that helps to make efficient markets. And if you know, FINRA broker-dealer rules prevents them from trading and transacting in Bitcoin unless it's in some kind of synthetic method, then we just want as many participants as possible, so cash is the way to go. Um, I don't think that there's been a firm decision there yet, but, uh, it, you know, the way that I look at it, I, I think the SEC will end up going with cash, and, and I think that's probably the best thing at the moment it's just some of the finger broker dealer rules have changed. Yeah, I could see that too. I could see where these products debut uh, using cash and then obviously evolve as everybody gets more comfortable and the ecosystem develops to, to move towards in-kind creations. Uh, another question I have is, do, do you think the uh, Coinbase surveillance sharing agreements still matter in all this? So I know the 19B4 filed by NASDAQ to list and trade your prospective ETF. That actually has language regarding a Coinbase surveillance sharing agreement. But I noticed a recent filing from a competing prospective spot Bitcoin ETF, which we list on SIBO. That doesn't have that specific language. And I don't believe any of the NYSE 19B4 filings have that language either. And, and so my, my question again is, does a Coinbase surveillance sharing agreement matter in, in this entire thing? Because I believe Grayscale would, would say that it doesn't, that the CME Bitcoin futures market and the existing surveillance sharing agreements that CME has with the exchanges are enough to suffice here. So, so what can you tell us on that? Yeah, so, um, you know, I actually, I would say when, when, when we filed, you know, obviously we're working with NASDAQ, and when, when we first filed and began working on the surveillance agreement, we thought that it would 
uh, alleviate one of the issues uh, that the SEC brought up in the famous Dahlia Bloss letter um, talking about market manipulation. So, you know, us and Coinbase and NASDAQ and BlackRock, you know, we, we, all, we all thought that this would be a, a really interesting take to, um, you know, to overcome that. Um, I, I do think it's mattered a lot less, but, you know, and, and I'll tell you one of the reasons why I thought it mattered so much, you know, earlier this year is because, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a former bond trader and, and traded bonds and, and, and fixed income ETFs. And, um, you know, one of the issues that we had when we first, when we lost some of the first actively managed fixed income ETFs was also surveillance and market manipulation because, you know, uh, bonds don't, don't trade like equities. Uh, they don't trade every day. And when um, we, we got, you know, when, when we had to trade bonds within these ETF portfolios, um, you know, we had to prove pricing and then we had to report those pricing to make sure that there wasn't, you know, any, any, any type of manipulation there. Um, so it was the way that we overcame it, and that was back in 2012. Um, but, but, it, but, you know, Bitcoin is pretty um, transparent. It's, it's easy to see pricing. So, uh, so that surveillance agreement has, has come to mean less and less. Okay, so you don't see this potentially being a deciding factor I know, and I'm part of the problem here, some of these conspiracy theorists out on Twitter or X talking about how, let's say, NASDAQ has the surveillance sharing agreement in place, but NYSE doesn't, that maybe that would allow the NASDAQ products to come to market first. You don't think it's going to get to that point where it's some sort of deciding factor? Well, I don't think it will anymore. Although I will say that back in April, May, June, I, I, I did believe that it would. But uh, it, it, it has kind of fallen out. All right, so as you look at everything else here, are there any other uh, major hangups that you think the SEC has right now? And I guess along with that, which this is probably related, is all of the back-end infrastructure actually ready to go for these products? Like, if a spot Bitcoin ETF launched tomorrow, would you expect everything to run smoothly? I actually do. Um, you know, and, and, I, and I go back to the bond market because, uh, for the most part, Bitcoin trades OTC, just like bonds do, um, on the back end. But it's also a lot more liquid. It's, um, it's, it's easier to transact in. Uh, so, so a lot of the infrastructure is in place. And uh, it, it is, you know, it is going to be very easy to launch uh, this, this product when, um, when, when, when regulators say that it's finally ready to go. Um, so I, I don't really see any hangups uh, at the moment other than just, you know, continue to work through some of the uh, um, uh, disclosure language and uh, thinking through uh, how, you know, how shows will be created and, and, and redeemed. Uh, but once that's done, um, I, I don't really see a whole lot of hangups. All right. So uh, I'm going to try to pin you down here, but you have a, a get-out-of-jail-free card. Uh, if you want to pass on this. Uh, so what, what are you expecting time-wise at this point, just in terms of the SEC potentially allowing these products to come to market? As we sit here today, how do you think this is going to play out? Well, um, I, I would say sometime after January 2nd, and um, who knows after that. <laughs> fair, fair enough. <laughs> All right, but, but not before the end of the year. You'd be surprised by that. Uh, I'd, I'd be very surprised. All right. Um, I, I know the consensus or the assumption is that the SEC is going to allow multiple spot Bitcoin ETFs to, to, to launch at the same time. And so I, I guess I have a couple of questions here. Number one, do you think that's fair? Like, is that the best way to approach this? We talked about how 
Valkyrie filed back in, in 2021. Uh, is it fair to just allow everybody to come to market at the same time? And then two, assuming that does happen, I'm curious how you will attempt to compete. Because I've said uh, multiple times, and this isn't anything enlightening, this is going to be absolutely cutthroat competition, right? You have some of the biggest names in asset management competing here. There are well-known crypto fund players competing here. This is going to be wild. And, and so how do you compete? Yeah, so, um, you know, I think just like in, in everything else, you know, I, 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 I grew up in the, uh, the Guggenheim business where we were a relatively small asset manager, but we were really good at what we did. Uh, we had to compete with the likes of Pinto and Lanto and BlackRock and, um, you know, these were obviously very large players, and uh, we we competed on expertise and performance. Um, I, I I think that's how that's how Valkyrie does too. You know, I mean, most most of the Valkyrie team uh, came over from Guggenheim. We're, we're, we're really, I feel like we're really good on the um, on, on the active management side. Um, you know, we we've got a lot of tried by expertise, and we also have uh, a deep history in um, in Bitcoin as well. So uh, I, I think we kind of I think we come in as the the niche um, asset manager that's 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 good at that's good on the active side, and they're ex, and they're experts in crypto. And what about the timing of everybody coming to market at the same time? Do you agree with that approach? If that is in fact what happens, I, I think that's what's going to happen. Um, you know, do I necessarily agree with it? I, I you know, look, put putting myself on the other side of the table. If I were the SEC, uh, it, it's it's really the only way they they can. Do it. Uh, it. It definitely puts some of the larger, um, the larger shops at an advantage. Uh, but, uh, but but I think you know we're not we're not too worried about it. Um, you know I, the other really way that, that that I think that it could be done is an order that the S ones were filed, mm -hmm. which which would actually put us second, which would be great. Uh, but it puts Bayonet first, um, and that's that's a fair way to do it as well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, there's no question the SEC is in a tricky spot here. I, I would say largely uh, created of their, their own doing, in, in my opinion, with the way this is all played out. But I'm not sure there's a great way to do it. Um, I see pros and cons on both sides. And to your point, one concern I have is that if everybody launches on the same day, I, there's no question that favors the largest issuers. And, and not to talk about specific issuers, but let's take Grayscale, for example. If they're able to come to market on the same day as everybody else, they're showing up to the party with $25 billion in assets. And I'm not saying they shouldn't have that opportunity. It's just I don't know that um, this is a situation where the SEC is not playing kingmaker if, if you're allowing everybody to come to, to market on the same day. But, you know, because th this has been going on now, what, we had the first uh, spot Bitcoin ETF filed by the Winklevoss twins back in 2013. It's like, you know, how far back do you go on the S1s? It's a tough situation, but I agree with you. If you look at some of the first filers in this category, there are uh, several what I would call crypto fund native firms that were first here, and now we have some of the traditional um, ETF issuers that got involved later that are going to be able to come to market at the same time. In my opinion, I guess if I if I had a, to you know, make a decision on this, I do think it sets a somewhat bad precedent because moving forward, if there's some sort of novel ETF filing uh, and, and I'm a larger ETF issuer, I just wait for those novel filings to come in 
And then uh, when I see something I like, I go, oh, yeah, you know, I'll file for that, too. That's a great idea. And then I'll go to the SEC and say, hey, remember the precedent you set with spot Bitcoin ETFs? That was a novel product coming to market. These need to be batched up just like that one was. And so I can see where this could create some, some issues moving forward. I think there's a misalignment of incentives. But I'll get off my, my soapbox on that. I'm assuming you agree with me on, on some of that. Uh, I, I agree with you on a lot of that. It, 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 will create some, uh, it will create some interesting precedents if, if that's the way it goes. Um, all right, a few minutes left. Last I checked, I, I hope I'm not wrong on this, Valkyrie had not yet put their hat in the ring for a spot Ethereum ETF. Uh, is that something that you might consider? Because as I mentioned at the top, you do offer a combined Bitcoin and Ethereum futures ETF. So any thoughts on a spot product? Yeah, you know, I, 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 don't, think we're, um, I don't think we're committed either way on, on that. Uh, you know, we're really focused. I mean, most of us are... Are, are Bitcoiners, and we're really focused on on the Bitcoin ecosystem. Uh, not 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 to say that we don't, um, you know, that we won't look at something like that in the future. But we're just uh, right now we're all in on Bitcoin spot and, and doing everything we can to make that work. And I should have mentioned the ticker symbol on that uh, Valkyrie ETF is BTF. That's the Valkyrie Bitcoin and Ether Strategy ETF. Um, all right, Stephen, lastly, before I let you go, Valkyrie actually has one of the best-performing ETFs out there this year, which is the Valkyrie Bitcoin Miners ETF. And I would say that also has one of the best ticker symbols uh, you'll find anywhere, which is WGMI. So uh, excellent work on that. Do you want to offer a quick snapshot on that ETF and, and just explain why it has performed so well? Yeah, you know, um, you know, I'm probably, probably most of it's locked, but um, you know, we, we do actively manage that ETF, and so what we what we attempt to do is uh, sift through uh, a lot of the miners that are publicly traded, and you know, we're, we're trying to pick the good ones and eliminate the ones that are bad. Doesn't mean that we uh, we won't fail uh, on either end of that, but uh, so far it's been successful, um, you know, from our perspective. But, uh, but, you know, and I think that is a big difference here. You know, a lot of the other similar products are very passive in nature. And, uh, the, the, and Bitcoin is very cyclical. So, um, you know, when you're, when you're in the bear market part of the cycle, which is about every four years, um, you're going to have some, some miners that go into bankruptcy and that fail. And uh, so I think it's really important for a product like this to, uh, to have active management. Well, Stephen, I really appreciate you joining me this week, and I, I really appreciate your candidness in all of this as well. I know it can be difficult to talk around some of the stuff when we're talking about live filings, and clearly this has been a sensitive uh, area all the way around. So I, I appreciate you uh, coming on and, and discussing this. I can't wait to see how all of this turns out with uh, spot Bitcoin ETFs. I just remain fascinated by this. But best of luck uh, to you and the Valkyrie team, and again, thank you for joining me. Hey, thanks so much for having me on, man. I uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. That was Stephen McClurg, Chief Investment Officer at Valkyrie.